0: Hey, welcome to the Swine Time Podcast here at Pipestone. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Wayne. I'm one of the staff veterinarians here. I'm also one of the owners of Pipestone Holdings, and I have the great, great pleasure of interviewing people in our company and outside of our company that bring interesting things to the table to share. To our producer audience, as well as anybody else out there listening, we have producers, we have uh, students, we have uh, people that, that are just curious about pigs that find it on Spotify or, or the other podcast aggregators. And uh, today I have a great guest. It's Dr. Emily McDowell. Emily and I've worked together for quite a while. And Emily is, I don't know if you have an official title for mycoplasma in your job description, but you are one of the mycoplasma experts that I would go to for help. You are the the mycoplasma expert. You know the answers, you figured it out, and you're currently doing research and speaking on on the topic at different meetings, I believe. Yep. So we can get right into it. Before we get into mycoplasma, though, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, how you got into this and anything else you think might be interesting?
1: Sure. Um, Yes, so thank you, Spencer. Um, My name is Emily McDowell. Um, I have been with Pipestone for nine years. Um, Time's flown by with that. Uh, Originally, I came uh, from our Tumwa practice uh, and then I've been through several others up to Pipestone and now practicing out of Orange City. Uh, I'm originally from Primgar, Iowa. I now live by Paulina. Which primgar?
0: Um, is it primgar? In...
1: The only primgar, Spencer. Oh. The only primgar in the world.
0: Okay. Well, I got confused for a second there. I thought it might be the other one. Okay, go yep. ahead.
1: So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity, and I'm excited to talk about mycoplasma and what we're doing here at Pipestone with that.
0: Okay. All right. Mycoplasma. What is it? Tell us. Just kind of start off, pretend we don't know anything, which for me is not hard Because a lot of times I don't know anything, but just for anybody listening out there, start with what is mycoplasma, and then we can go from there.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So mycoplasma is a bacteria um, that has been around for over 50 or 60 years Um, in the industry. It's, uh, in general, uh, mycoplasma is, uh, the origins of it is from the sow farm uh, itself. So mycoplasma is very much a vertical disease, a sow to piglet. Um, disease. Um, however, we uh, we do see more of the issues with mycoplasma in the downstream pigs of those cell farms that are positive. Um, and so typically what you'll see is a dry hacking cough that just goes on and on and on. It never really kind of, never really clears up very well, um, or you know, d- despite using medication and that kind of thing. Um, the cost of mycoplasma um, for the downstream producer is, is very significant. Um, there's a, there's a range, uh, of two to $10 a pig, uh, based on, um, kind of, uh, the losses on Adderford Shaila gain or mortality as well. So, okay. and, uh, the, the, the big spread in cost there is really from, uh, what else is involved. So if there's a, a PERS break involved or if there's a flu break involved, then there's that, that's where you get into the $10 range.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned something in there. It's a vertical type of disease. And, and a lot of people out there raising pigs are, are familiar with how they feel about purrs, which is I got great pigs and boom, they blow apart at a hundred days of age or, or something like that. They're, they're growing and then they, they hit it. And it could be anytime. It could be early later, but it's a laterally introduced infection. A lot of times mycoplasma is typically different. And can you go through that again? That like sure. how most people end up dealing with myco?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um most of the time if um in the past we have a lot of farms. Um if they're twenty, twenty-five years old, um we mycoplasma negative guilts were impossible to get at that age or of that vintage of a sow farm. And so some cell farms have had mycoplasma um, high pneumonia for for the existence of the south farm because that's what they were stocked with. And so Um, Some farms have have eliminated over time. A lot of farms today that have been stocked over the last 15 years have been stocked negative now that we have uh, negative replacement yield sources. And so so that's, we've had, most of our system is negative, thankfully. Um, But we still have some farms that um, have, still have mycoplasma from uh, the original stocking or just never eliminated it.
0: Yeah. You know, you said most are negative. Um, But you go back 10 years, 12 years ago, they were almost all positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that, that all of our Pipestone managed farms were positive. I don't, I'm do trying to think if it would just been those new stockings from about 10 years ago that were finally able to stock negative. And what are we percent negative now? You think 80%? or Yeah, what?
1: I think we're 85% negative in the system. And okay. we have uh, different categories. Um, we have a provisional negative category, which is kind of a there's the negative category then the next step down is a provisional negative and that's kind of a holding area um we do some testing within that period of time just to make sure that they are truly negative and that uh we don't get a a rebreak is a possibility in that time period and so that's what we're trying to um, do our testing so that we know that they're not not going to rebreak yeah um then there's a there, there's the mycoplasma closure uh farms and so those are farms that We've identified, we've done our exposure, we've, we're actively in a holding pattern for our guilt introductions. Um, so we're kind of, we. it's a hold, close, homogenize, and then a, a, a defined time period um, where we're waiting for um, for that bacteria to clear in mm-hmm. the pig.
0: So you're jumping ahead a little bit, which is talking <laughs> about what it costs and kind of the history of it. And we used to be a lot of positive farms and yeah. now we're mostly negative. And that had, the assumption there is, well, we must know how to get rid of it. And you were just kind of defining some of those pieces to an elimination sure. program for mycoplasma. Yep. So load, close, homogenize, and then give it time.
1: Correct. Is what you just stated. Yep. Which is um, the nice thing about mycoplasma is that it very much um, we can pile it on to if for instance a trigger for mycoplasma elimination for some farms maybe a maybe a purge break where um, our exposures and closure timeline. Um, is very much the same for what we would do for pers Mm -hmm. one thing i want to add before we go on is you know a lot of farms that were stocked 25 years ago with a source you know their replacement gilts that came into that source were, were positive also and so they already had immunity and so our our clinical signs that we saw for mycoplasma downstream were were minimal because we already had a quote stable gilt coming in for mycoplasma already exposed now, where we kind of ran into trouble when the replacement gilt sources turned negative for mycoplasmas, we had we still had positive sow farms. So we had positive sow farms bringing in negative gilts for mycoplasma high pneumonia. Those negative gilts were then getting infected with mycoplasma. We had a lot of instability at that sow farm, and some of the um, the percent of pigs that are positive uh, of mycoplasma that uh, from shed from the sow to the piglet in the farrowing house. That dictates the severity of mycoplasma or the, the amount of mm-hmm. uh, value that that farmer's going to lose on the downstream uh, just based on percent positive at weaning.
0: Yeah. So said similarly, differently, is uh, the more myco you pump out with the pigs, the more myco disease and cost you have in your, in your pigs as they grow. Yes. And it, and it, they, it's not like all or none. It's more or less. Mm-hmm. And if you're positive, it's going to be more or less, but it'll be something. Yes. Uh, you mentioned something too about the guilt coming in negative. The other thing historically that's changed a lot is that we used to have small GDUs. They would come in at select weight, like yes. 20 weeks of age or 18 weeks of age, and they would have a little bit of time to see the myco and go through, it and then they'd come in kind of still pretty rolling hot with it when they were getting bred and gestating. And yep. if you have a longer time in the GDU when they get them in younger as a wean age guilt, that helps a little, but you still have to be intentional about eliminating it.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Great comment there. Um, the the I, I 100% agree. The farms that we see the most significant mycoplasma downstream are definitely those GDUs that, have, that receive a, a negative guilt that is a select weight guilt, 18 to 20-ish mm-hmm. weeks of age when they come in. And it takes about 240 days total um, for that mycoplasma, for that guilt to become infected and to clear it. And so if you can imagine that scenario, of a select weight gilt coming in, getting infected, being bred, 114, 15-day gestation period, um, she's still shedding mycoplasma a lot to her piglets. And that's a significant, if you think of a normal sow farm, 20% of your sow farm population is uh, from gilt moms, And so that's a significant amount of pigs that are coming out exposed to mycoplasma, and that's going to spread throughout those farms mm-hmm. downstream.
0: So you talked about the cost and the pigs. You had. average five bucks a pig would be a pretty good number to pin on. Like my pigs are Michael from a micro positive herd. I'm probably got about $5 more in slow growth penalty that I'm dealing with some mortality, maybe a little conversion, but really it's gain. And then, uh, from some experience, I would say it goes beyond just the pigs there's gotta be some benefit to the sows when your sows when your guilts aren't going through it as they develop when Your sow herd isn't dealing with it, trying to get bread and farrow and do all the things that sows need to do. Is that fair to say too?
1: Yes, I, I agree. I don't know if we have quantified the value to the breeding herd very well, um, but I do think that uh, it does improve our potential for the, the optimal total born that we would desire.
0: Okay. Typically with PERS, I would have said we're like 90% able to get rid of PERS through a closure. And Now, recently, it's a little different. PERS seems like it got tricky in the last year. It's not quite as easy as it seems like it used to be. Michael, it's a similar process for getting rid of it. You just described it. What's the success rate for getting rid of mycoplasma? At least in our hands, or what sure. you think is normal?
1: Yeah, I think um, we—it's not as good as we would desire today. Um, we're probably in the—if you look at what we've done for myco eliminations over the past four or five years, we've had a, like a kind of a, a bleeding edge, more or less. Or um, and so some of our first ones, we don't feel were successful. We've learned a lot over time with our micro eliminations. So if, uh, over the five years, our success rate's about 60, 60 to 65%. -hmm. Um, however I think, uh, if we broke down the more, I don't know what I would assign for percentage for the recent ones that we've done, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely been better. Um, one of the major keys I think of how we've improved our success rate in the mycoplasma eliminations is through, um, some new diagnostic or new testing techniques that have come out, uh, for mycoplasma. And I think if you, if you, um, the mycoplasma diagnostic side is one of the more frustrating parts of, um, of this disease. And so what, what we're actually doing is a what we call a deep tracheal catheter, uh, test end of closure. So if our, if our total closure is 250 days for mycoplasma, um, we are testing these gilts around 230 days. Um, and we're doing a deep tracheal catheter test. And so what that means is we're taking a, a 30 30 to 33 inch long uh, post cervical AI catheter, and we're passing it into where the mycoplasma lives, and that's the trachea. Um, and we're, we're, uh, so that's, Putting after we after we do that we take it out and we put it in uh, a, a PBS or kind of a water solution and send it in and pooling those tests uh, to know if it's still present or not. So that's a it's kind of a labor intensive method yeah. um, to do the test, but um, it's drastically improved our ability to detect mycoplasma. You know, basically purely from the fact that we can get. Uh, where the mycoplasma lives. So we're getting closer to the source. In the past, um, people use nasal swabs and some other techniques, um, mm-hmm. but we're just not getting deep enough yeah. um, to get it. So.
0: Yeah. So st- stated a, maybe in a more layperson terminology, you take a long skinny tube and run it way down the, the windpipe until you hit kind of where the, the windpipe breaks into the two sides of the lungs. Yep. Rattle it around a little bit, pull it out, and then Chop the end of that tube off, in in a, you know, like sample. a test tube, and then yep. that's what get tested is this little chunk of plastic that was way down in the pig's lung. Right. Because if you go up to the nose or to the saliva, there's yep. just very little organism. When it's actually down in the lungs to find.
1: Correct. Yeah. Uh, and then we're doing a we're doing a PCR test, which is a uh, with that sample, and so that's a test really of presence of the bacteria uh, hmm. in the lung at that point. So. Yeah.
0: One other thing you didn't say it, but I think you would is with the first eliminations we did we would actually take a large percentage of the pigs and like take a tube down their throat, kind of the same thing, and then squirt a bunch of mycoplasma in there just to get them exposed correctly. And that was incredibly labor intensive. Like everybody hated life yep. at the end of the day. The, the guilds <laughs> the hated life, the people hated life. And now we're, we're fogging them. Like if you can imagine a right. hurricane fogger, just that's going to aerosolize a bunch of stuff. So we, we fog it, makes it way better, way easier, probably much better exposure effect as well.
1: Yep. So, um, to add to Spencer's comments there, um, our efforts really on mycoplasma eliminations actively was really started in probably 2017, 2018. Um, and what was the advancement right ahead of that was um, particularly um, we, had, we, they were, we were learning like crazy on how to best acclimate gilts, so how to best expose these negative gilts to mycoplasma earlier. And so we really had no idea how to do that, or it it was very labor intensive. There was uh, quite a bit of research done around that time of how many to acclimate um, in order to get exposure within 30 days. And that really was kind of a light switch uh, for me on, yeah, we can actually do this. It's just possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I and Spencer kind of glanced over it a little bit, but just because mycoplasma acts differently than PERS or FLU, um, we really feel like elimination of mycoplasma at a sow farm level uh can be very successful long term as long as we keep mycoplasma coming in, you know, if it doesn't enter in a guilt. Yeah. Uh we can keep it out, especially and that's even more true, I think, on our filtered farms today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not that myco can't come in through the air in your farm, but it is way less likely Correct. than PERS or flu to come into your, your farm. So if you get rid of it, good chance you'll just stay rid of it for a long time. Yeah. I mean, for Potentially for the rest of that South Farm's life, as long as you're just basically careful with biosecurity.
1: Yep. So the deep trachea, uh, we were, to Spencer's comments a little bit, a few minutes ago, we were we were acclimating gilts in the GDU at a young age, uh, passing this catheter into the trachea, giving a mycoplasma. Um, but uh, we were on a on a farm. It was 20 people that we were bringing in to do this, and crazy labor intensive, lots of different teams working on this, sometimes a couple days. Uh, to do it, and so it wasn't uh, it wasn't long before we um, heard heard some wind of um, a couple of people doing some aerosol techniques, and um, that's that is our technique for exposure of guilts today for mycoplasma.
0: Yeah, in the learning process, we I mean we didn't just kind of come up with things all on our own. We had some help. Um, Absolutely, uh, Maria Maria Peters is was really helpful to us. Is there anybody else that kind of was part of the learning process for us? Was it yeah. mostly Maria? Or?
1: I think, um, yeah, some of the other experts that we've used, Maria has been fantastic. Um, Amanda Sponheim has been really, really good. Uh, uh, Tom Wetzel was helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Eduardo Fano was very helpful. So we've had really good experts that um, have studied this and have, uh, have a lot of passion for eliminating mycoplasma and just see the value of it and, um pushing us to try new things or to try new techniques
0: so. yeah just kind of thinking over the, the arc of the last uh eight to ten years of really thinking about it and then doing it going to mostly negative status now mm-hmm. experts were helpful we learned a lot used to be kind of a novelty like oh i have a micro negative farm now it's almost it's standard yep. and it's when you sell pigs our, our farms that we manage sell pigs out, outside of the shareholder group sometimes it's much easier to sell a mycoplasma negative pig for that five dollar a pig penalty that that producers want to avoid yep. okay so we kind of went through the hill history and what it is and how to get rid of it um i know you're working on some current research you've recently presented at some different meetings you want to comment on what you're doing
1: sure <clears throat> yep so um we've we've been we've probably done 25 30 um attempts at elimination for mycoplasma over the time over the last five six seven years um and uh, one of the issues that we continue to feel is true is that um, the we th- we think there's more persistence of mycoplasma high pneumonia than um, what has been previously described in research. So um, basically, previous research uh, was done um, not using wild type mycoplasma strains like what we have today, um, not using the same detection methods that we have today with a deep tracheal catheter. Um, in in a, in a different situation too. So, so you,
0: you might say that the research previously said, "Oh, you pig eats mycoplasma; they're positive for this many days," but it was in a different setting than what you might find in your barn. Correct. And in the barn, it's probably longer.
1: Yes. And so, what was previously published was somewhere between 210 and 240 days. These gilts went negative, and uh, the deep tracheal catheter test—the the, the sample that we when we when we passed that catheter into the trachea where where the lungs kind of break apart or bifurcate into the two different lungs. Um that's been really helpful uh for us and has been really key to identify persistence in farms. And so um I think that was a, a major turning point to improving our success here at Pipestone of our eliminations. So we're doing this sampling at 230 days. We're detecting uh positives at that point and we're able to do something about it. And so this has been something that we've observed for two years, a year, um, and been v- frustrated with. And so we put together a project where we set up a sow farm just like we would every single one that we do. And um this particular sow farm, uh, the trigger for this elimination was a PERS uh event, unfortunately. Uh and um so we set up the farm and then we decided uh how do we verify that every guilt is exposed well. So is it an exposure problem? And Um, So one of the ways we did that was, that was one consideration. Um, The other one was, how does that look over time? So if we sample uh, the same gilts over time or the same sows over time, uh, is that, uh, are there CT values from the PCR? So uh, cycle time values, which is a indication of uh, how positive are they? So a, a very low CT value would be very positive. Um, a very high CT value would be nearing negative. And so how does that dynamic look on the farms? Um, And then also just over time. And so we we ended up setting up a a commercial sow farm that we work with. Uh, We we exposed them like we normally would. And then we ended up uh, doing some deep tracheal catheter testing, which is our normal method, uh, multiple times. So we sampled the same 140 animals uh, five times. So we they uh the SOWs did not love us by the end of that period of time, uh being snared that many times. So we sampled 30 days, 60 days, 120 days, 180, and then 240 days. Um, what we found we had we did have some persistent positives uh on this farm, which was very, very much the same that what we've seen on many of our other closures that we've done over time. And so um We're working. Actually, we we have presented this data. Um, We have um, we're working on trying to get it written up to in a research manual. And I think, really, the focus of this is to help direct more funds towards research because we need uh, we need that um, to try to study this more and to follow the guilts longer than what's been done in the past. There's a lot of research for mycoplasma that ends at 140 days of age or 180 days of age, and we really need. We really need that to go out longer for mycoplasma right. to get valuable information.
0: So those 140 sows, you, you tested them, and the, all the way up to 240 days, I think you said. Correct. What percent was still positive at 240 days?
1: Yeah, we had two animals, so it was okay. uh, low, very low percent. Um, but that's uh, that's what we see. And so some some farms, it's more. Some farms, uh, it's less. But uh, typically, on a lot of farms, we see that. Um, what we do when we find those positives, uh, at Pipestone is, uh, time is our biggest friend. And so, um, a lot of times we'll meet with uh, the vet team here. We'll meet with the production team on, for that farm. We'll meet with the owners of that farm and we'll, uh, actually, uh, either extend the closure mm-hmm. or bring in gilts and do a breed project in their GDU. Yeah, And so, um, that's been a frustration for, I think our team for a long time. Um, we may we may do some dish additional uh, antibiotic treatments through that time, depending on what's been done. And, and um, yeah. uh, we actually do some um, when we do bring in guilts. Um, Spencer and I have talked about this quite a bit, but um, we'll actually create an area in the barn that we can segregate our uh, new naive guilts when they do come in um, for a while, just because. Uh, at a low prevalence, the nose-to-nose contact is probably what's spreading mycoplasma. It, and so we're trying to really avoid the re-break situation. How can we set up this farm the best we can to uh, make sure that we don't break again?
0: Yeah. And just to put a real edge on what you all just said there with, oh, we extend the closures. That's happened to me a couple times. And so you get to be the bad guy because I'm the farm. Like, oh, we're we're done with the closure. We're going to start bringing gilts in. We're, and then <laughs> Emily says, nope, you got to test whatever, a couple hundred animals, and it's not easy to slide tubes down mm-hmm. sow's throats, and you do that, and oh, you find you still got a couple positives, and then Emily says, "No, nope, 30 more weeks, or 30 more days, excuse me, something, more days. Yeah. some extension of it, like, oh, we need gilts, and this is painful, and, and so, you, and then you also said we give some antibiotic treatments, but that seems, like, surprisingly not great at eliminating the virus. You can't yeah. just give a lot of drugs and make, not virus, the bacteria, you can't just give a lot of Draxin and assume you're going to go negative. It doesn't seem to work that way.
1: Yeah, time, time for sure uh, is our biggest friend in that situation. Yeah. So and we have had some that have gone 280 days. We've had some that have gone 300 days, and so um, that can get a little bit painful for the for the farms team. That's a lot of mm-hmm. time that they're um, doing a breed project in the GDU or just trying to hit breed target. Yeah.
0: Well, um, whatever that pain is on the backside of it, if you don't break back. Yeah, production is excellent like the sow production Mm -hmm. the sow production is very good surprisingly good and I was just looking at data today from one of our sow farms and the clean gilts that came in after we were done that would have never seen mycoplasma compared to the previous ones they're born alive it was a it was way over a pig difference on born alive just as far as the previous gilts had struggled through the exposure had to deal with it it was I don't know if it was a pig and a half it was significant the new ones coming in were born alive was almost 15 Good grief that's that's an incredible yeah. born alive on a guilt yep, so anyway there's definitely benefit to it. thanks for reviewing what you're doing for a project currently, um, so to kind of wrap it all up, what can our producers gain, learn, apply whatever to to their farms based on what you just told us about
1: sure well I think there's been a there's been a really big push on the health tax uh, at pipestone health tax health tax okay. um, and so what Uh, What that means um, is that uh, certain diseases, um, if you have chronic bacteria on your farm that are, and that's endemic, or if you have mycoplasma on your farm, or if you have a flu positive pig on your farm, there's a, there's a cost that you pay to that. And so um, mycoplasma, high pneumonia is a significant health tax on um, the sow farm, as well as, and for sure on your downstream pigs. And so I think, I think uh, we need to be aware of that health tax that we're paying on each of those pigs um, and know that uh, we, can, we can definitely eliminate mycoplasma today. I feel uh, much more confident today than I felt mm-hmm. five, six years ago yeah. for our elimination efforts. And I think that's we're going to continue to learn and we're going to continue to grow. Um, and I think uh, we've even had discussions, bigger picture, on why are we... F- you know, as an industry, maybe we should eliminate mycoplasma high pneumonia as an industry, because it's because it's a sow farm disease, mm-hmm. and because the chance of a rebreak um, can be low, yeah. and because it doesn't transmit longitudinally from uh, you know, in, in pig dense areas from barn to barn, it's more of a sow to pig transmission. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's a pipe dream maybe today, but golly, I hope in my career that that would be
0: true. That'd be pretty cool. But think yeah. of the trajectory if you go back. 20 years ago. Can we get rid of PERS? And there are ways to do it. And some were harebrained, some were good. And finally we get good methods. Okay. We can get rid of PERS. Then we get rid of mycoplasma. Now flu is really kind of where mycoplasma was for us a couple of years ago. Yep. And so we're doing flu eliminations and you, you do these things and thing you take away, that tax you take away from the sows and the pig flow, the pig flow gets better and better. I think, man, our producers down in, in parts of the world where if you deal with sick pigs at weaning compared to these pigs, it's a 9 day difference. You, mm-hmm. sh- you shouldn't have to deal with this cost if you can eliminate it.
1: Right, yep.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna think that question has asked you, what can our producers apply, learn, or gain from it? It is the tremendous importance of getting rid of the, the tax that you're paying. Right. And so just look at your sow source. If you're buying pigs from a, a south farm that you have a contract with, if you're a shareholder whatever. whatever, what is my tax that I'm dealing with? I'm never quantifying, except that I'm probably paying it the whole time.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, the cost at the South farm level to eliminate uh, mycoplasma is really less than a dollar a pig, and so
0: is the cost to eliminate to it.
1: eliminate it at the South farm level uh, versus the health tax that you're paying five dollars a pig on every pig that you eat on that farm so fantastic return on investment here if 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 we can successfully do that
0: okay, Emily, I really appreciate you coming and spending time here today um and I would. Thank our listeners also for tuning in. And I'd say tune in next time for whoever our next guest is here at Swine Time Podcast here at Pipestone, Minnesota. Swine Time podcast was created for the pork industry and individual pork producers around the country. Hosted by me, Dr. Spencer Wayne, with the Pipestone Veterinary Services. The podcast contains pork industry news, advancements in animal care, and how to enhance your productivity. Monthly podcasts are available on Spotify, Google Music, iTunes, Anchor, and on www.pipestone.com.